Is there an Ernie Pantuso here? That's you, coach. Speaking. Folks, this is your captain speaking. We're just preparing the craft for departure and undergoing some last-moment pre-flight checks. But once underway, we'll be flying at about 6,000 miles per hour at an altitude of 300 feet as we depart the BFE non-stop towards our destination of... Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You want to be where you can see Troubles are all the same You want to be where everybody knows your name You want to go where people know People are all the same You want to go where everybody knows your name And welcome, 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 welcome to Clear It For Takeoff. A little off section of the BFE. My name's Ian. And I'm Georgia. Hey, and that, that one didn't feel like a welcome, like a big, loud welcome, welcome, welcome. That one felt more like it's like, you know, a friendly welcome, welcome, it's like welcome. like welcome home. Welcome, welcome home to where everybody yeah. knows your name. Cheers. Yeah. Ah, so if you're new to Clipper Takeoff, what we do here is we look at a pilot episode of a television show and as such the whole show is more or less pilot themed george is the one who came up with the name cleared for takeoff i like I 15 it. ideas I and you had one and yours once there we go <laughs> so my, my naming's not always spot on although i'm very excited about keeping it low-key i must say i'm I, very I excited did also name best film ever i'd like to just you, that was a rec- that, that's that. true you did you did throw yeah. that out because i had something similar to it well, nah, i don't know if we can get away can we really and yep we can so there we go um so before we get into well what happens is we take a show and someone's has to be the expert of it and they fly in the captain's chair and that's me i've seen this many times uh and i'll give my personal opinions on cheers as we go through uh and we get someone who's a newbie to it and george this is your first time actually in the jump seat isn't it no no i did no no because oh yeah yes it is because last time we were both like 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 regular pilots sort of laying yeah we're laying out how how the the pilot school itself would be situated so we did friends together your first episode but your first time in the jump seat yes because you have not seen cheers before today i have not there we go so uh, let's talk about your last time flying with us we did friends i mean i don't know have you watched any more friends did you get into a friend's mood as a result of doing the last episode no I think can't say it did. I think it's one of those things where you've probably seen the episodes you want to see. Like it's not going to spur on yeah. some new love for it because it's just it's omnipresent. It's always here. Yeah, Friends has never left the public consciousness since '94, so it's not like you had a chance to forget about it to go back and appreciate it. So um, we're left in this case with uh, kind of a new one for you, and that there's something you've never seen before. So let's take a look at the series synopsis. The series synopsis for Cheers, almost at Friends, Cheers goes like this. <laughs> the regulars at the Boston bar Cheers share their experiences and lives with each other while drinking or working at the bar where everybody knows your name. Aww. That's nice. Except, except he didn't know his name. What's his name? Coach didn't know Coach his didn't name. Coach didn't know his name. We'll talk about that <laughs> as we go through. So as we said before, a pilot has to do three things. Number one, it has to establish the characters. Number two, it has to establish a mood. And number three, it has to give you a reason to come back. We'll see if it's successful or not. That's a different story, but it has to at least pretend to give you a reason to come back. 
So uh, let's go ahead and do some pre-flight checks before we see what Georgia <laughs> thought about this. Let's talk about the uh, the pilot for uh, Cheers. The creators of Cheers, who previously worked on a show called Taxi, which was a big hit in the United States. Bit, yeah, no, I've no, not really seen, seen it, it yeah. but Danny DeVito, Tony Danza, Christopher Lloyd, so some big names kind of involved. I can in only this. picture one of those, and I bet you can guess which one it is. Danny DeVito. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's a Matilda, isn't he? He is, yeah. Christopher Lloyd was Doc Brown in uh, in Back to the Future. Oh, okay. There we go. I haven't put the name to the name to the face. Yeah, no, I can picture him as well. So, My face uh, blindness is coming through. So co-writers Glenn and Les Charles and director James Burroughs, who referred to themselves as two Mormons and a Jew, created a <laughs> sitcom project in 1981. And initially, it was going to be set in a hotel. They thought they might be the American version of Faulty Towers. Have you even seen Faulty Towers? Yes, I oh, love Faulty Towers. Okay. I like Faulty Towers. I've not made it through the whole thing. I uh, no, it was a bit of a staple at home when I was growing up. No, I love I love Faulty Towers. There you go. Um, and the setting was changed from a hotel to a hotel bar, and then finally a Boston neighborhood bar. And we'll talk about why Boston in a couple of minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show was not filmed in a pub, sadly but on stage 25 of the Paramount Studios lot. But there was a real bar called the Bull and Finch Pub in Boston, which was the model for Cheers. And it was actually chosen right. from a phone book. Oh. They just went flipping through and went, that's what we want. That uh, and it's now known as Cheers Beacon Hill. I mean, no doubt. I would use that branding until the cow came oh, home. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when Glenn Charles, one of the producers and creators, asked the bar's owner, Tom Kershaw, to shoot exterior and interior photos, he agreed, charging one dollar. One dollar. Yeah. <laughs> A shrewd business move. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Boston. A Boston bar was chosen because uh, the interior will be made out of brick, polished mahogany and brass. Uh, the city was chosen because of its cosmop- that's cosmopolitan, a great sports town, and wasn't previously explored on television. There haven't been a lot of sitcoms in Boston, so they chose that right. one instead. Um, because the creators are sports fans, they added an athletic element to the bar. Burrow said the show was intended to be about a bar in which people visit for more than drinks. And they liked the idea of a tavern because it provided a continuous stream of new people. And therefore, you could yeah. have – it was it's really easy. How can we explain how this new character all of a sudden joins the cast? Easy. They walked into a bar. Yeah, it's the beginning of a joke, isn't like, it? <laughs> it's, it's not like Friends where you go, how did you meet each other? Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's nothing like that. You just have to go home and go ahead and – yeah, it's a bar. They came in for a drink. There's the reason why they're there. Yeah, so pretty pretty good for setup. Yeah, and you can have a whole total wide variety of people as a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, an early concept revolved around a woman being the new owner of a bar and the animosity created between her and her regulars. Mm-hmm. Not what they used, but they would pull on themes of that in later uh, later seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, they aimed to create a show around a Spencer Tracy, Catherine Hepburn type relationship between their two main characters. And that was like, you know, a, a romantic couple who fought all the time and had lots of arguments. And the passion was represented not only in their romance, but in their friction. They right. hate each other, but they hate being away from each other even more. Mm-hmm. One of those types. And so, uh, obviously, this would turn into Sam and Diane. Spoilers a little bit. Uh, Malone represents the average man, and Chambers represents class and sophistication. The show revolves around characters in a bar under humorous adult themes and situations. And that leads us to the pilot, Give Me a Ring Sometime. <laughs> Can we just appreciate how brilliant that 
title that's is. That's a great title. Because it yeah. works, obviously, on two levels. Yep. Um, it's the first episode, of course, and it aired on September 30th, 1982, written by Glenn and Les Charles, two of the creators, and directed by the third, James Burroughs. The pilot episode introduces the employees of the bar and their regular customers. In the original script, only the employees were principal characters and the customers were not included. They were just extras, basically, with an odd line here or there. Later revisions, though, added customers and scenes, and uh, as such, the things were rewritten and restructured. Um, so originally, they had an idea maybe we should get a star in there. Well, people wanted them to put a star in it. They said from the start, no, no one like Mary Tyler Moore, who was a big, big name. We want actors who are unknown to the public because then you don't have to shake off the idea of, oh, it's so and so. Yeah, that they become the character that you they get to be than- Sam Malone. You know, yeah. uh, not to bring it too much, but would um, would Sheldon Cooper have been as big of a deal as Sheldon Cooper was if we knew who? I don't even remember what the guy's name is who plays him anymore. Anyway, if that guy, if, yeah. if the guy who plays him, if he he'd been 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 a huge name, the next yeah. thing he does, or if he's already doing something else, he's always going to be Sheldon Cooper. Yeah. The Fonz is always the Fonz. That was the problem. He was the coolest guy on the show, but then what do you do? So same idea here. <laughs> they interviewed over about 1,000 people for the four main principal roles. And the director of the pilot, James Burroughs, was a big deal in the fact that it went as long as it did because he directed 243 out of the 270 episodes himself. Wow. Yeah. And supervised the show's production, including the pilot. So they told the cast, never assume you're not being watched. So assume all the time someone is yeah. watching you. So and very much kind of like what you would do on stage. I mean, yeah, I, I know it's a very stage thing, isn't it? I know I've told actors before, never stop acting. The minute you stop is the minute that my eye is drawn to you. Yep. So keep doing something. Um, so always be reacting. Always be funny. And we start with our cold open and some introductions. So we have the facade of Cheers from the outside, and we can see it's a bar that goes down some stairs, and there's the iconic sign. And there's the stinger, and stinger means that little piece of music as we come into it. And I love the music of Cheers. It's just, I'm all, okay, I've warn you, I'm all aboard the nostalgia train on this one, like so hard, okay? So um, there is that. Uh, and the music was created by a guy called Craig Saffin, who did all the music except for the theme song. But outside of that, every piece of music he does, that the, the show does, yeah. in its entire run is from him. Wow. And well, now I recognize the music it's because all, of the shoot that we did. Absolutely. So it was really strange to watch it with, <laughs> with, with its the intended thing. pictures. Yeah. yeah. And so we're not there yet. But um, but any pe- it was all very saxophony and yeah. kind of woodwindy. And it was just so. It's lovely. Yeah. And really I think nice. even though he didn't do the theme song, the theme song was number the guy who does the score. You could see how they were aware of each other because it didn't sound Definitely. out of place. Yeah. They sounded like extensions of each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he ended up winning several top TV series awards for his music. So good on I'm him. I'm not surprised, yeah. And we meet Ted Danson, who plays Sam Malone. Did you recognize Sam Malone? No. You didn't? You really should, because you are a huge fan of a show he's on. Sam Blow Mal- my mind. Go Sa- on. Sam Malone is Michael from The Good Place. No. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if you get a couple seasons down, his hair is his hair is more up and flat like it is in the good place, and you can see it a lot easier. I think by season two, you can absolutely see it. But that is Michael from the Good Place. That's mad. Yeah, I know, right? 
I was kind of hoping you wouldn't. He's an attractive man in this. Uh, he is. He, and that's his gimmick, of course, is that he is an attractive. Yeah. Is, is he not an attractive man in The Good Place? He's an old man. Is he not attractive? He's, no, that he's still attractive. He's really there, stylish. Yeah. Like, he's, he's really yeah. stylish. Um, and so we get introduced to the bar. He's coming out of the back pool room. And the bar is beautiful. It just mm-hmm. is. Um, and it was originally, he was written, Sam Malone, as a New England Patriots wide receiver, not as a baseball right. player. Because so there was lots of Patriots references in this first bit. There was lots of Patriots references. Who is, is my NFL team, as we are, well, as, as you and I are aware. Yeah. I have a Tom Brady Funko Pop around here somewhere in his New England colors. And I, I, if you're here looking for me to, to slam on him, because he's now moved on, peeps, I'm not going to do that. I wish nope. him, if he wins every Super Bowl there is the next seven years, I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. He <laughs> he got us, what was it, he got us six titles, seven titles, six titles. So I'm okay with the fact that he now can go somewhere else. He's earned the right to do that. Yeah. Uh, back to our regularly scheduled program, <laughs> literally. Um, so the character Sam Malone was supposed to be a retired football player and was slated to be played by a man called Fred Dreyer. But Danson was eventually chosen because he was younger but then also had more acting experience than dryer because dryer really was a retired football player right okay he would later get a like a, a recurring role as a sportscaster on the show so i guess no hard feelings makes sense yeah, yeah. also considered for this role bill cosby I mean, I know the name. But oh, do you, I'm not. I'm not the person to play this ooh, game with. <laughs> no, Bill. Co- I, Bill Cosby in the news. That's more of the idea of why I'm talking about this. So, oh, Bill Cosby okay. was 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 a black comedian. Um, he was very famous and would later go on to have a show called The Cosby Show. And The Cosby Show, for a large part no, of the 80s, yeah. was a ratings juggernaut as it presented an African-American affluent family. Mm-hmm. He was a doctor. His wife was a lawyer. And they raised their kids in what we would call maybe upper middle class for, for North America kind yeah. of uh, perspectives. And it did a good job in cre- creating, uh, I guess, what we would call a counter stereotype. So if a stereotype of how uh, black families and black fathers have been represented was a certain way on tv then we're going to represent the opposite and he really fought hard for that and and he was america's dad he was all these things until it came out that uh, i believe he's been convicted now it was alleged i'll say that just to just to cover bases that Mm -hmm. he had like drugged women over a couple of decades and then and then you know taken advantage of them as a result of this and so uh bill cosby is a uh I, th- I remember when I moved to my new school, there was a banner with all these like great quotes by great people. And one of them said Bill Cosby. And I got a hold of someone and said, uh, you guys are aware you got a Bill Cosby quote there? <laughs> just and it wasn't it just been part it'd been up for so long no one had yeah, you, know, you, no just, you just walk by it because when yeah. it went up he 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 was he was a and a lot of what he says about uh ethnicity and, and about representation and about what you allow people to see you as w- was was really poignant and i yeah. it, it's, a, it's a problem is that people are multifaceted and ridiculously screwed in this case ridiculously screwed up what was a i think a powerful legacy yeah you know yeah, unfortunately not everyone is is 100% what they show, are they? Yeah, like, like, obviously the biggest problem is the fact that he's, he, he, he did violent sexual acts upon women. That is the number yes. one factor. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's the bigger issue. It's also, on after that, it's such a tragedy because of his standing in the community. And he yeah. was sort of, Ameri- he was America's dad, not America's black dad. He was America's dad. Yeah. And yeah. he broke down some barriers and then you're like, oh, geez. Had to, uh, had to be Bill. Okay. Yeah. So I'm really glad in hindsight. Well, I am anyway. <laughs> but I'm really, really glad that I don't have to look at uh, Cheers and go, oh, no. Like, I'm yeah. just really happy about who we who who's here. I just very quickly 
Googled again Michael from The Good Place and I'm just going, I'm, it's just it's just blowing my mind because obviously I've literally just watched this and I'm going, I can see it, I can, but it's just, it's so strange. Have you ever seen Modern Family? No. Oh, Ed O'Neill also auditioned for the role of Sam Malone, but he's in Modern Family. So okay. that's, and you need to remember that fact just for a little bit. Just know there's an Ed O'Neill who was in something called Modern Family. That's all I'm going to do. Uh, Ted Danson, when he got the gig, was sent to bartending school to prepare him for the part. And according to Burroughs, he had to learn how to pretend he knew a lot about sports since he wasn't a sports fan in real life and (laughs) never been to a baseball game. (laughs) That's a good actor then. It's kind of insane for an American, I think, not to go to a baseball game. I don't know how that happens. Um, So now he's no longer a football wide receiver. He's a relief pitcher for the Boston Red Sox because his build was more believable as a pitcher than it was as a wide receiver. See, this has got two of your favorite teams in then with the Patriots and Red Sox. Love me some Red Sox. Really love me some Patriots. So they auditioned in pairs and he was part of a successful pair. We'll talk about the other half of that in a minute. And a kid is in the bar and a kid wants to get served. He gets ID'd and he laughs. And keep in mind, drinking age in the States is 21. Yeah. So this kid's trying to pass for 21. This kid is like 14 at best. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's got a fake ID. And I appreciate the gumption for a kid to go procure a fake ID at 14, I guess. Like, that's that's optimism. And to have memorized it. He clearly Yeah, he, clearly he mouths along. It. He yeah. mouths along the date. Uh, and he goes, ID. He goes, ID. Huh, where do I tell the missus? <laughs> <laughs> and he's a young 38-year-old. And so he says, ah, oh, so you would have been in Vietnam. And he goes, how's Vietnam? And the kid goes, gross. <laughs> And and Sam goes, yeah, that's what they say. War is gross. And I think at yep. this point, gross was very much a young person's word. Yeah. I think you'd still, I mean, adults can use it today, obviously, and we would. But it's it very, would still have the same effect, though. It would feel juvenile. It would feel yeah. juvenile, yeah. It would, you'd know it wasn't the word you should use. And then we open up to the best opening title sequence ever. If you are out there, you can fight me. There has never been a better title sequence than Friends, where everybody knows your name with the pictures and the old artwork. With, and it's, with Friends, where everybody knows your name. That's right. And it's and it's classy. And it's also a little bit rude and it's old timey and yet it still feels timeless. I love this title sequence. The choice of font is perfect and the choice of images is perfect. And the song is I can't I just use that word again. It's perfect. It is it is lovely. I really enjoyed it. And it was nice to see it and it's and it what it actually looks like okay. rather than with us in it. I should say this because when we did we did a, a play today called Twelfth Night. And um, I decide we were going to shoot a, se- a sequence in, 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 in a pub over here. Yeah. And as we were walking up, it suddenly hit me. If we're, I already had an idea for a different thing. And we still shot that. And it was the thing I thought was going to be the main, the main drive. And actually, uh, as we walked in, I went, what if I got a bunch of like cheers-like shots, like still photo shots and st- as well? And I yeah. used that. And that ended up being a much more successful marketing tool than, uh, than, than the other one. And it really is kind of this nostalgic extra bit for my uh, yeah. my, my, my memory banks. All of your favorite BFE hosts. Actually, all of your BFE hosts all of you, all were of in this video. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got all five of us. If you include Ethan yeah. in there, we got five. Yes, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. And also in, in, in the room helping take pictures that night was friend of the podcast, Debbie. Yes, yes, she was. She took a great, like, wide shot of a bunch of people, so it was really, really good. Uh, a good the, time. The big had big shot, yeah, it was really lovely. It was, yeah. it was, it was a fun night. I really do enjoy that one. Yeah. I enjoyed that, yeah. And so, um, 
there's I, I just I just love the sequence. A funny story, if I may, about the opening shot because in the opening shot there is uh, a picture of a man and a woman, and we have Ted Danson and we have um, um, Shelley Long's names appear on it, and they both wanted top billing, and neither one of them would back down. So what they did is they put Ted Danson's bottom left and yeah. they put Shelley Long's top right. So if you read from left to right, Ted Danson goes, I got top billing. Yeah. But if you read from the top, top down, down yeah. Shelley Long gets to go, no, no, no. I have top billing. Top is more important That's than funny. bottom. So that was the way they started. We saw the same thing in Chicago. They used the same technique in Chicago where they weren't, uh, uh, okay. where they weren't um, aligned across the top. Yeah. There were someone was higher up and someone was lower down so that they could get the two, uh, Renee Zellweger and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones to both. That makes sense though. Happy. I guess. I guess. I'm like, I don't know. Alphabetical, I don't know why anyone's alphabetical order. Like dance and then long. That's me. I don't, yeah, I don't know why anyone's ego would be that fragile, but... But, I don't know. Speaking <laughs> of which, that might be interesting, because I got some more information here. So, uh, but first, the song, where everybody knows your name, is the theme song from the television sitcom Cheers, written by Gary Portnoy and Julie Hartangelo, performed by Portnoy back in 1982. Shortly after the premiere of Cheers, he went back into the studio and recorded a longer version of the song. That seems to be a theme. It does. It also made the charts in the U.S. and in the U.K., reaching number 83 <laughs> in America, number 58 in the U.K. I have this song on my phone. Oh, very good. I do. In a 2011 reader's poll in Rolling Stone magazine, it was voted the best television theme of all time, and the editors of TV Guide magazine in 2013 named it the greatest TV theme of all time. So I'm in good company when I say best ever fight me. And then we meet Sumner and Diane Chambers and Diane Chambers is played by Shelley Long. She's very pretty. Is she? Yeah. I never understood Diane. So, okay. You say she's very pretty. Okay. Yeah. She's very shrill. Um, And so it's interesting because they link the cold open to this. So the kid who's trying to get served is is just leaving as they come in and he hears them talking about how they're getting married. And so the kid tries to buy around (laughs) (laughs) and he's told no. Um, And so um, we get to Sumner has decided he needs to get the ring back and uh from his ex-wife he wants to give it to diane they're gonna go get married they get married in barbados and she says i don't need the ring and he goes i i love that you don't need it but symbols are important mm-hmm. and okay fair enough and yeah. so uh yeah. she- shelly long was recommended by various sources to the producers for the role of diane chambers but long didn't want to audition and held out uh someone's a big big fur boots yeah um she had to be coaxed and given an audition and when she did she instantly got it so the question is was she either being too big of a diva because look you went in there and you nailed it or was she right the whole time (laughs) (laughs) the big thing that won it for them though apparently was the uh, there were were three separate pairs and Mm -hmm. it wasn't a matter of it's very similar to the office i think in the office they audition in pairs as well for jim and pam yeah and it was a case of you you know, it's not like one of you will get it and the other one from a different pairing. It's going to be, we're going to go with one of you as a unit and we yeah. need to see this, this interaction. That's terrifying. Yeah. And Glenn Charles said, as soon as we saw it, we knew it. And we said, that was it. We knew that we wanted her. And during initial casting, Shelley Long was in Boston at the time filming a film called A Small Circle of Friends. And she remarked that the bar in the script resembled the bar she had come upon in Boston. It turned out 
It is indeed the Bull and Finch, the same bar hey. that Cheers is based <laughs> off of. In the case of art imitating life, imitating art imitating life or something. Yeah. And so Sumner has gone off and the phone rings and Diane answers and I'm going, who does this? Well, I mean, in if the phone, if it's not got a voicemail or anything, like they wouldn't have done if it was an important I call still and don't she could answer you. and hold it. A business call in a business. Well, it's a, it's a bar, isn't it? Well, I think this might open up a little bit of who Diane Chambers is. But yes, Diane, who answers this? Diane Chambers opens this. And we find out it's a woman named and uh, Sam is coming up. He's having a swig of a drink or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, who is it? And he goes, oh, it's Vicky. And now Sam doesn't want the answer anymore. And they start <laughs> doing a game of charades. And he's trying to say that he had to step out. She gets that part. And he, I think he's trying to mime that he went to get a haircut. Haircut, yeah. And she says he, he had to go to his mime class. <laughs> and still takes a message which is you're a magnificent pagan beast and when she says it to sam he goes thanks but what was the message <laughs> and uh, this is kind of sam's mo is that sam will date uh brain dead women mm-hmm. and uh be very sexually successful with with with, with many women here this is mm-hmm. the archetype for sam but they will always be idiots and sam's happy in his life with this going on <laughs> Um, we find out through some exposition that Sam's the owner and he wants to buy Sumner and uh, her a drink. Because Sumner, where is Sumner at this point? He hasn't left, actually, as it turns out. No, he's he making a to... phone call in the back office or something like that? Or is it a payphone? Yeah. There's a payphone. Pay That's phone. it. There's pay a payphone phone, yeah. down by the pool room. Um, and so she go, he goes, I want to buy you a drink. What do you, what will you have? And Diane says, a bottle of your finest. And he goes, it wasn't that good of a lie. And then he finds <laughs> that they're getting they're getting married and he insists that and gets the bottle out uh we find out that sumner is a professor and that diane's his teaching assistant and he was reading something and she had her nose deep in her yeats and he said uh come come with me and be my love and we will some new pleasures prove and uh he goes that's done and sam goes i certainly hope so as it turns out they botched the line as mm-hmm. as we know because it was in 12th night of all things yeah. georgia uh, that we did a uh, come come live with me with me and, and be, be my, my love. love is the actual line so um yeah i was sitting there going well there's something i can pick up instantly yeah i did <laughs> yeah it's from my favorite version of it um that, that, that i saw it's actually uh, the, the name of the uh of the of the poet is correct but yeah they botched the line which you would yeah. think that they're both working with english literature they would have got this yeah i mean i went that doesn't sound right yeah. <laughs> sumner has to leave and he leaves her with sam she says talk to sam whatever and he goes am i she goes am i stupid to let you go to your ex-wife's and he goes am i stupid to leave you in a bar and Sumner goes, who's stupider, Sam? And Sam just says it's too close to call. <laughs> and then we meet Coach, played by Ernie Pentuso. And I'm going to assume you liked Coach. I did like How can Coach, you not like yeah. Coach? Yeah, uh, pretty much. Originally offered to a guy called Robert Prosky, who turned it down. Robert Prosky was in Mrs. Doubtfire. You ever seen Mrs. Doubtfire? No. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. He's for anybody out there. He's the old guy who owns the television station that, or the the company that makes the educational films that uh, Robin Williams's character eventually ends up uh, becoming hired on as Mrs. Doubtfire. In so there we go. Spoilers. I, I know. Imagine that. It's like thirty eight <laughs> years later. Has it really been that long? No, it hasn't. Twenty eight years later. That's not as bad. All right. Um, but he turned it down. But he would later appear in a one-off episode years later. I bet he's kicking himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, turns out coach is angry with the Patriots drafting a linebacker. We just had the NFL draft, actually, just a couple of days ago, George. And they, and they drafted, not a linebacker, they drafted a quarterback in the first round. So that was a good choice. Coach would like that, I guess. He um, liked that. Well, yeah. he liked that until someone talked to him because coach flip flops by whoever she's spoken to him most recently. Yeah, I know a few people like that. That's yep. why it was quite funny to watch. Sam says he's seen a good linebacker turn the team around. And coach goes, you know what? That's true. Um, he tries to explain who Diane is and why she's there. And she insists, please don't discuss my private life. Sam asks, what would you like me to tell them? She says, I don't care. He goes, okay, coach. She's a hooker. <laughs> Which I thought, I thought it was a fun enough little joke. because She walked into that. She was yeah. very snobbish in this thing. Go, yeah, please yeah, don't yeah. let these unwashed people know why. Like, you're going to get married. Is that the end of the world? No. <sighs> and we find out Carla is late again. And it's almost as if that was her cue line. Because then in comes Carla Tortelli, <laughs> played by Rhea Perlman. Did you recognize Carla Tortelli? A, a small bit, but I wouldn't be able to okay. tell you where from. She's married to Danny DeVito, and she was in um, Matilda. Oh, okay, that is her. Yep. Okay, yeah. There yeah. you go. My mom thought she was Canadian. She's not Canadian. <laughs> she was, she's from Canada. She's like Coney Island, New York, or something like that. So there we go. <laughs> she was the first member to be cast. Okay. Yep. Uh, she threatens to quit, and she's this. This whole opening monologue is a house on fire. You can pretty much get everything you need to know about Carla from this opening walk. Loved it. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she just she's talking and threatening to quit and going. I don't need this job that much anyway. And if that's the way you're going to be, but you're going to throw out a single mother, and that's on you, Sam. And then yeah, she you don't respect me and my children. That yeah. I don't want to work for you anyway. <laughs> she goes, I get changed. And then Sam looks at coach. and goes, Do you think I was too hard on her? Of course, not having said a word. <laughs> Um, and he goes, hey, what? So then she comes back out and she goes, um, coach has to go, what are the Patriots? They got a linebacker. She goes, ah, they're up to their ears and linebackers. She goes, you know what? That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> and then we meet Norm played by George Wendt, who I actually have in Funko pop form. You do. Yeah. I was like, oh, yes. wait, that's him. <laughs> He's on my top shelf here. There we go. So, um, we get afternoon, everybody, and the two of them go, Norm, this would become a thing. This is. Right always a thing whenever norm comes in they will call to him um and so uh he was only supposed to have one line originally in the script and it was going to be that diane was going to badger him for a bunch of stuff and he was just going to say beer and that was going to be it after offering like a thousand different cocktails um According to the writer and director, James Burroughs, during this the first audience run-through of this, Norm entered the bar and said, Afternoon, everybody. Sam responds, What do you know? Norm answers, Not enough. And to the crew's <laughs> surprise, it got a huge laugh. They just thought it was going to be like a, huh, but it killed. And he said, It was a great surprise. The audience laughed, but not so great because it meant that we now had to like live up. Uh, the right quote is, we, It made his entrances harder to write, a.k.a. We got to live up to. He's always yeah. got to have a good one-liner now. That's his thing. Yeah. So, um, coach is moaning about the new linebacker and, um, Norm goes, I think that new linebacker will put him in the Super Bowl. And coach says, you know, I think you're right. And I have a headache. Um, puts a load of ice. He just puts ice in his hands yeah. on his head. It's like, that will give you a worse headache. <laughs> uh, he reveals, uh, during this, that Sam, this is Norm reveals that Sam used to be a big league pitcher for the Red Sox. Coach then reveals that he was his coach. That's probably why he's called coach. And that he used to be a flat earther, we find out, because he didn't believe it until he saw those pictures in the space shuttle. <laughs> Diane's not impressed. Um, she says, why don't you stole a picture then? He turns out Sam used to be an alcoholic. 
Twitch point, she goes, you were a drunk? And Coach goes, are you kidding? He was a great drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that kid did was great. Uh, Norm lifts his beer and says, I'm proud that you kicked alcoholism, uh, which is a, a great irony. And she wants to know, why does he own a bar then? And he said, like, well, I bought it when I was drunk, and I kept it for yeah. sentimental reasons. And, you know, at no point does Sam seem out of place here. No, it's a, it's a powerful thing that he's a, I mean, a recovered alcoholic who still serves behind a bar i think that's i think that's 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 pretty kick-ass it's probably who you want behind the bar if they can manage it because they can see the the traits in other people yeah yeah um and so um diane asks coach where is your bathroom he goes next to my bedroom (laughs) he's not coming on to her he's just coach will coach's thing is coach will take everything literally and that's what he will always do Uh, did you see a woman in a wheelchair at any point around here can't say i did at the front of the shot kind of right behind where diane was sitting most of the episode there's some shots now of a woman in a wheelchair okay i did not know this until doing the research for this episode um this was a woman who was going to be called mrs littlefield and she was going to be a regular customer of cheers who was intended to be a, a recurring character her lines were filmed as part of a rough cut but they were sliced out of the episode because they found her character didn't mesh with the other characters she was supposed to be racist Oh. Like this terrible, racist little old lady. And they went, yeah, this doesn't work. But no. you can still see her as a background performer in a few of the scenes. And it caused a couple of future episodes to be rewritten because they'd had, like, plans for her. Yeah. I think better for it. I don't think we needed to go there. No, I don't think so. Um, Diane goes to the uh, bathroom. Everybody wants to know Diane's story, and Sam refuses to tell them. So Coach tells them the thing he knows. She's a, <laughs> she's hooker. a hooker. He goes, no, no, she's not a hooker. No, it's okay, Sam. She really is a hooker. No, it's not the case. And now Coach's headache is even worse because she will keep telling him things and then telling him, no, what you think is real isn't real. Um, they all applaud Diane when she comes out. And genuinely, they're not making fun of her. They're just yeah. like, hey, you're getting married. Good for you. Sam goes, they missed you, and Diane checks her watch and looks worried, and I think she looks worried because they're late for commercial, because we're going to commercial break. (laughs) We come back from commercial, and uh, Carla comes up to Diane and says, Sumner's not back yet. Why don't you make a run for it? (laughs) And she goes, you're a bitter little person, aren't you? And then we get Carla Tortelli's backstory. She's a single mom of like four kids, I think it was. Four, I think, yeah. And um, she puts her husband through school. Now, the school ends up being TV repair school, which mm-hmm. then has a second joke to it because she's dumped as soon as it's over because she wouldn't fit in with the other TV repairmen's wives. <laughs> so uh, this is what I like about this show is you think you've got the laugh out of it with that first yeah. joke, and it's just setting up the second cleverer joke. Yeah. But TV repairman joke, you're like, all right, I, I, I've, I've heard jokes on this level before. But then this idea that the TV repairman's wife is like some sort of classy <laughs> or, 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 group of women. Or either, or either a classy group of women or that it's like the, the mob wives. Like, oh, maybe, like yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is where we get the clip we played at the start. There's a phone ring. Is there an Ernie Pantuso here? That's you, coach, speaking. And we meet Cliff Clavin. Cliff Clavin's the guy in the mail carrier. Um, uniform who has theories about women's sweat glands. Did oh, you okay, recognize yeah. this guy? No, I did not. He is the voice in all the Pixar films. What voice? There's, you know how there's always the same voice in like every Pixar film? It appears in once in each go. We do a Disney podcast. We talk about John Ratzenberger's line in every episode of a Pixar film. 
Uh, it's escaped me. Really? Okay. Yeah. He's 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 the piggy bank in Toy Story. He's the school of fish in Finding Nemo. Oh, okay. He was the guy in Coco who couldn't get through uh, because the uh, dentist yeah, yeah, took his picture yeah, yeah, down yeah, or whatever that. it was. Yeah, yeah. He's an there's for the first like tw- however many it's been. John Ratzenberger has had at least he was Mac in in Cars. He's oh, in okay. every single thing, and this is him here. We have talked about the John Ratzenberger line every time. He's obviously just like not clicked. That you, haven't been listening. One. you haven't been listening. You haven't been listening. That is a lie. I have, <laughs> what was it? What did you call me the other day? What not dedicated or whatever? Yeah, it was. something like that. <laughs> and so uh, he got this part because uh, it was created for John Ratzenberger because he went for the role of Norm Peterson. And he didn't get it. And when he didn't get it, he just chatted to producers afterwards and said, hey, are you guys planning on having like a bar know-it-all? And they go, what do you mean? He goes, you know how in every bar there's this guy who like knows everything? And he doesn't really, but he just talks like he knows everything and like, you know, lectures. And he basically pitched his own character. Nice. And got in. And he starts off in season one. He's not in the opening credits. But by season two, he's in the opening credits. He's a major partner. And he's like Norm's right-hand man. Norman Cliff. Best TV duo maybe ever. Uh, and so they're arguing, what was the sweatiest movie ever made? This <laughs> really made me chuckle because I was like, what do they mean by sweatiest? And they're like, no, literally, literally sweatiest. sweatiest. And yeah. Rocky Two was, was, was on the list. <laughs> uh, Cliff suggests body heat. And that's funny because one of the supporting actors in that movie was Ted Danson. <laughs> and right after they say that, the camera cuts to Ted Danson. So clever. Um, and then Sumner returns, and she, Diane's like, you've left me in a place where they're debating the sweatiest movie ever made. And he goes, Cool Hand Luke. And he wins. Everyone's like, yeah, Cool Hand Luke. <laughs> uh, he says he can't fly to Barbados because, um, you know, uh, when he saw his ex-wife, there's something stirred inside of him. And yeah. Diane plays it really cool. She's just like, she Let's tries to like completely go to it, Barbados. Yeah. And he goes, I can't follow Barbados when I'm this confused. And she goes, It's okay, the pilot knows the way. Which was really funny. Which is a brilliant line. I love that. I like that Diane got a couple of jokes. Yeah. Yeah. She's very clever, her jokes. Um mm-hmm. the phone rings. Uh they're leaving they're literally leaving to go to Barbados. If this phone doesn't get answered, different show. Yeah. Carla answers and says, I'm sorry, I apologize if it's not, but is your name Sumner Sloan? And when he says yes, she laughs at him. (laughs) And turns out Barbara, hey, I don't know where that came from. Barbara, his ex-wife, is going to give back the ring after all because the first time she wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, So now she will. And then we cut to much, much later. And the bar is pretty much empty. And uh, I think it's Carla who says, cheer up, Cookie. He might have been in an accident. Yep. Coach is going home. He's been working on a novel for six years now, and he might finish tonight. And Diane's impressed, thinking he's writing a novel. And nope, he's just reading one. Georgia, how's Pride and Prejudice coming? Uh, I might have been reading that for the last six years. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been six years, but it's been, it's been a couple. It's been a couple. Um, Coach then takes Norm home. Norm has a request that they can stop somewhere and get a beer. Um, <laughs> some guy thanks Sam for lending an ear. This makes Diane go, why do bartenders always get? And then she spills her guts as well and says she thinks she might be losing Sumner. Sam says, don't worry. You'll find someone a lot better for you than that goofy professor. Uh, she takes issue um, with goofy with goofy and she goes you don't know she says do you know why you don't like sumner and he goes because he's goofy <laughs> <laughs> she lists a bunch of adjectives that all make him sound great and he goes you left out goofy <laughs> she's like, no i didn't oh you were coming to it 
<laughs> and then she goes, he will be everything that you want. And then Sam comes back with, and you know what else will be tomorrow? He'll be laying on the beach, slapping suntan oil on his ex-wife. And it's, yeah. who it's a, it's, it's, it's hard, but it's reality. The slap in the face I don't, isn't see, it, with, I, of reality. And he feels badly. He feels badly instantly yeah. for, for doing it. Uh, but he did speak the truth. Yeah. Um, Diane grabs the phone to change the reservation. She's about to go home. Tell Sam when Sumner comes here, tell him I've gone home. Clearly in denial. Realizes she didn't change the reservation, phones up, and we find out that Sumner and his wife have left on the trip to Barbados. And she was, how did you know? And it's a really really powerful moment. She's completely crestfallen, and she thinks she's an intellectual, and she thinks Sumner's an intellectual. He's going to be on the cover of some literary journal one day. Yeah, yeah. And the bartender knows and knew more than her. And he gives his bartender's intuition, I guess. And she goes, what am I going to do now? What's in my future? And he offers her a job. And she laughs. And she's got a very unique laugh. Right. Um, and, uh, oh, I, I just realized now, I never paid off the Ed O'Neill thing I asked you to remember. I should do that now. Ed so, O'Neill is in Modern Family. That's right. Ed O'Neill's ex-wife on Modern Family, who's crazy, is played by Shelley Long. Oh, okay. So in the end, they sort of got to play opposite each other after all. So that's why I wanted to bring that back around. Um, so uh, she plays a character called Dee Dee. <laughs> She's nuts. Um, so she offers him a job. Sorry, Sam offers her a job. She laughs at him. He said that. And now a large crowd is coming for a drink. And we stop long enough for Carla to give an order, which although it was weird, I didn't really think too much of it. Mm. Um, he explains, well, you can't go back to work for Sumner. And he says, so, you know, think about it. You're qualified for nothing. Yeah. This is an easy job. Um, you know, not easy job, but it's a, it's a job. I need a waitress. Yeah. You need a job. Um, you like the people here. You think they like you. <laughs> and the words magnificent pagan beast have never left your mind. Which is brilliant because I just forgotten about it and then it comes back. It's a great it's so callback to their first conversation. Yeah. And now it's back here. And then he tries to correct himself and has forgotten the order. And of course, Diane knows the entire complicated, yeah. it is a complicated order too. Yeah. And they kind of look at each other, and then we cut, uh, we, we fade, we've got, we've got a, a time jump, obviously, Diane is now working at the bar, she has her first customers, she explains to them her backstory and why she's, <laughs> and she's kind of, there's a bit of shame in why she's there, and she feels she has to justify her existence to these people, yeah. and it's all full of romanticism and whimsy and poetry. Lovely, and, lovely little speech yep. that she gives. And it turns out they go, where is police? We have lost our luggage. They're clearly from somewhere in Central Europe. Yeah. Uh, and that is where we leave the episode. And that's it. And then we get some great cl- uh, cl- closing music as well, which is yeah. an instrumental sort of saxophony rendition of where everybody knows your name. So um, I usually I have about four plots. I can only find three, and that was at a stretch mm-hmm. for this one. I found plot A, A Day in the Life of Cheers. Yeah. Meet the peeps. Yeah. Right? And that helps because we have Diane. And because Diane is new, we get to be introduced to them all through her. The B plot, Sumner and Diane. Will they get married? Mm -hmm. And then your C plot is really where does Diane go from here? Mm -hmm. We know there's some sort of tension between her and Sam. I think they're establishing them as the... uh, as the romantic, well, I'm going to ask you, what, what did you get out of this? It was your first watch. I'm going to shut up now and say, what did you get from this? Hey, first off, did you like it? I did. Yeah, okay. I liked it lots. Okay. And then what did you get from here? Where do you, where do you think? What would you predict the series is going from here? No, I, I, I thought it was not 
over the top obvious but it was it was obvious enough that that's where it was headed was some sort of romantic inclination but it was just all so very clever and so heartwarming it was really lovely i forgot how clever I, I remember how yeah, I, I remember really how much clever. I remember how much heart Cheers has, and you know me, I love heart. Heart, yeah. I think, is the hardest thing to do. Yeah, I just it's so it's so difficult to write heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that, uh, but the cleverness is something I forgot, and it's a very clever script with a it lot really, of jokes. It, the jokes are packed. Clever. Yes. Well, I, cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it absolutely stays as clever. So, um, absolutely. So, did you have? a uh, favorite character um i would say my favorite character is probably sam sam okay excellent yeah i had you go in a different direction here okay i thought you would say coach uh yeah he's just not there quite enough i no, don't it's, think no, it's, yeah. I just, usually i have you going for the, lo- the lovable side character who just says <laughs> the, you know uh, i mean they, they, do give, they do give coach some episodes where he's the focus the, right they're not as good I think. Okay. But no, no, but you know, it is what it is. It's, and it starts off with a big cast and it gets bigger. Like right. by the end, the cast of Cheers is huge and awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess mine in, in the pilot, I'm trying to do what we did last time and divorce it from what I know about yeah, the entire yeah. series. Oh, I really think you've got three options. I don't even think Carla's an option. I think it's got to be Coach Diane or Sam. I'll go with Sam. Yeah. yeah. I'll go with Sam. Diane's the most interesting because she's the fish out of water. Yeah. But but Sam, I think is is is, is her, my call. Her humor is what I hope mine is. Like the, <laughs> like that's that's where I hope my humor is. Sometimes, I mean, I know it is not always at that sophisticated level. But well, no, when you're I'm not, trying, you're not, you're I not hope a team of writers is. writing for you. I mean, jeez. <laughs> um, do you, I'll say this? Like, well, maybe I'll say this. Favorite moment, favorite element, favorite part of the show. You can do both. You can do whatever. It's just it's it's a benefit the, the of for takeoff. And the jokes. I love it. I really like the how it's written. Okay, so that's favorite it's element. Very, very I'm also yeah. going to go with the jokes because um, I was talking to Liam because we just did, I don't know if it was a week ago, two weeks ago. I don't know how this, we, we know Arrested Development has come out since then. And yeah. Liam and I were talking about Arrested Development versus um, Friends mm-hmm. and like the jokes per minute that happen yeah. in Arrested Development's off the charts compared to Friends. I'm going to argue the jokes per minute, uh, oh, The Office was the other one we were talking about. I'm going to argue the jokes per minute in Cheers is may, is may, it might not be as high. It's going to be close because there were a lot, it was really hard to take notes for this because yeah. the jokes were, there were so many of them were like, I got this is and there's another good one and another, and this one plays off that. That you, that you said while we were running through it that I'd missed because I was still laughing at the one before. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a really good hearted kind of, even though it's a, it's a bit of a sad story for a pilot episode, but yet yeah. it's still so funny. It, it's, it's, it's a beautiful balance. Yeah. Do you have a favorite moment? Um, a favorite one liner I'll settle for, a favorite moment, a favorite joke, a favorite Just the introduction to each of them. Like okay. each of their little introductions I thought was very good. Okay. I will go with I it's probably the one we had at the top, Ernie Pendant is you coach speaking. That was, yeah. That and oh, um, don't worry. The pilot knows the way. Oh. That one really got me. Okay, I'm gonna go with another one. Okay, guys, Sam just want to tell you I will. She's a hooker. It's, yeah. just, it's a callback to a joke I had forgotten. She'd yeah. been there for five, six minutes. I'd forgotten that, and they brought that off. And it, yeah, it, they're the magnificent pagan beast. Yeah. yeah, like other other shows would place that joke there. You'd move past it, and you wouldn't come back to it. 
No. This they they purpose. Or you'd come back to it too quickly that it wouldn't. Yeah. Wouldn't get the second laugh. Like this was it was again it was set up the first joke and you think that's the big joke and it's not the big joke is later to come. Yeah. And it's that moment, and giving it that half second that you can only really do, I think, with a live audience where you give them the beat. Because if this was like a real thing, you could miss it. Because when you hear the studio audience laughing, the actors know to lay out and not speak over the joke. There's an yeah. old, you know, um, amateur dramatic sort of tip: if the audience is laughing, don't speak over them. Let don't them laugh. Speaking, yeah, let them laugh. Let, let them, them laugh, clap. or else, or else they will they will learn we shouldn't clap and we shouldn't laugh. So uh, the comic timing of everybody as well and the, the chemistry in episode one of all it's things. It's so good. It yeah. is so good. Um, do you have a complaint? A complaint? That's horrendous. It's great. It's great. That is awful. You can tell I didn't name that bit. Is there something you want um, to complain to a stewardess about before we get started here? <laughs> um, I, I can't think of anything. I really can't. I think mostly my complaint, biggest complaint, would be that why have I not watched it sooner? All right, you see, <laughs> as a kid, this is my uh, not kid. How old would I be? Because this runs through many of my formative years, and but yeah. it's, it's ending just as I'm starting to hit like adolescence, like like mm-hmm. like proper teenage. I've got my own opinions on things now. Yeah, and so I think this goes off the air, and I'm about I don't know, like fifteen, maybe. That sounds about right. So at the time, like this is my first ever favorite TV show, like adult yeah. favorite TV show, scripted, not cartoons, but like proper. Yeah, yeah. Here's a show, and uh, it was the first one I had to say, learn how to say goodbye to, which is a really interesting sort of yeah. topic. And that was weird for me because it's the first of you know you'll have a lifetime now of loving things and saying goodbye to them. But it was mm-hmm. weird to think you know I'm gonna you know three weeks from now we won't make cheers anymore. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. We don't make cheers anymore. And there'll be in other shows. And it's like, I know what actors are, not characters. That's fine. But just the, the importance that these narratives have on your life, it's a really kind of a surprising thing. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, let's look at the ratings, shall we? So, the NBC premiere lineup on September 30th consisted of, and this starts at 8 o'clock, Fame. <laughs> like, fame, I'm going to live forever. Nice. Uh, we also had Cheers, Taxi. Mm-hmm. And Hill Street mm-hmm. Blues. And Cheers debuted at 9 o'clock against the two-hour season premiere of Magnum P.I., Magnum P.I., starring Tom Selleck, who you might remember as Richard from Friends. Yeah. With the mustache. Yeah. Richard, Richard with the mustache, yeah. And the one-hour season premiere of something else. Uh, Cheers finished 60th out of 63 programs. Oh, no. So, like, this today... I don't know. Cheers first season, not great ratings wise. It might not have survived the chop because we're so quick wow. to chop shows now. And I think Cheers would have been, I think Cheers absolutely would have been chopped um, now because reality programming is so cheap. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can just go ahead yeah, and pull yeah. the plug and put something else up in its place. Yeah. Uh, during the first season when ratings were poor, Paramount and NBC asked the show use videotape instead of film when they shot it to save money. They did a test taping, and it ended the experiment, and Cheers continued to use film. Season one, the reruns in the summertime got better numbers than the first run did. So this (laughs) suggests that it's building an audience through word of mouth, and people are checking it out. Or, without other competition, people were checking out Cheers and going, I really like this, actually. Actually, this is really quite good, yeah. By season three, it's, it's, it's a ratings juggernaut. 
by season five, it had the highest ratings it would ever get. And ironically, it was not yet the number one TV show in television. That would happen in season nine. It was the biggest show in television. <laughs> so obviously, they fell down, but everything around them had fallen down more. So, yeah. But from season three onwards, they are headliners. They yeah, are absolutely okay. all-stars. And so it would go in the end for 11 seasons. Wow. Yeah. But back to episode one, the reviews. Fred Rothenberg from the Associated Press said it was an introduction to a news wise cracking comedy, a warm and wacky companion of a television show, a delightful place to spend idle time, and a five star watering hole known as Cheers. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> Mike Drew, who was a TV and radio critic, said it wasn't great, but funnier with cute lines than any of her sitcom, even those that have been set in bars. And season one of Cheers has a Rotten Tomato score of, do you want to guess? 89? 97%. Wow. And an IMDb rating of 8.3. So wow. universally loved, yeah. I think is a good way to put it. And at the 1983 Primetime Emmy Awards, writers and co-creators Glenn and Les Charles won the Emmy Award for Outstanding Writing in a Comedy Series for the pilot episode. I'm not surprised it's brilliantly well would written. Also go on to win the 1983 Emmy for outstanding comedy series. Mm-hmm. So it would also win that again in 84, 89 and 91. It would go and have a total of 179 total Emmy nominations, which is a record wow. for all of television. That's and it, incredible. It would win 28 uh, Emmys. All, and that's acting. That's yeah, directing. Yeah. That's writing. That's, that's still a lot. 179, yeah. Frasier, which was a spin-off of Cheers. Oh, was it? And it would run for 11 years. So <laughs> the character of Frasier Crane starts as part of Cheers. That's the, that's the hey. smallest spoiler that you'll get. Uh, and it would go on to win 108 sorry, nominations and win 37 Emmys. So its record is it's one, it wins the most Emmys of any yeah. series ever. Cheers is nominated the most of any series ever. And so between Cheers and, and Frasier, it runs consecutively, those writers, I guess, their creations for mm. 22 years on television. That's amazing. That is amazing. Um, remember that guy, Tom Kershaw, who sold the rights to the uh, photographs of the for inside and outside for a dollar? Yeah. He has gone on to make millions of dollars licensing the pub's image and selling a variety of Cheers memorabilia. At one point in 1997, it was the 42nd busiest outlet in the American food and beverage industry. Wow. So there we go. So that $1 worked out okay. Get get your foot in the door and then make the money on the back end. Yep. After a show ended, the 1,000-square-foot bar set from Cheers was offered to the Smithsonian who turned it down because it was too large. It was displayed for a short time at the now defunct Hollywood Entertainment Museum, but later returned mm-hmm. to storage, where it remained for many years. In 2014, CBS donated the set to the Museum of Television after a years-long campaign by James Burroughs. Uh, at the time of the donation, um, there was a plan to put $100,000 into restoring the set. Uh, as of right now, um, there hasn't been a physical location for this set. If and when it occurs, I will fly wherever it is. <sighs> For, forget, so, forget the set of friends. It's up there. It's on the list. Forget yeah. the Iron Throne. I need to sit at the bar at Shears and get some <laughs> photographs taken. Put, heck, I'll take one behind the bar. Uh, that yeah. would be. And then what a Norm's stool. I mean, this is the thing that I would absolutely no hyperbole, no rhetoric. I would travel for this opportunity. Yeah. And find other things to do in wherever that was. If it's in. Mm-hmm. I mean, no disrespect to the people of. Oh, I don't know. Um. 
Des Moines, Iowa. I mean, no disrespect. If you're in Des Moines, Iowa, I'm sure you've got lots of great stuff to do. I don't know what it is, but the thing that would get me there would be the cheers, and then I would find out what else to do yeah. in your fine city. Like, I would travel yeah. solely for that purpose. That is very cool. Um, so that is really kind of what we have. So back to our first three questions, Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. Does it achieve what it needs to do? Does it uh, establish the characters? Yes. Yes, it does very well. How did you feel? Let's just kind of go through the characters really quickly and go your initial thoughts. You like Sam a lot. So, Diane, yeah. you said you thought she was really, really funny. Yeah, I okay. like her. Thoughts on Norm? Um, a bit, a bit confused to begin with, but I, th- but I think he'll probably grow on me. A lot of Norm is repetition, and so yeah, so it would make sense that for the first watch, you're a bit like, Ugh. yeah, I'd compare him to, to Kramer from Seinfeld, but you don't watch Seinfeld, so that wasn't yeah. really help me. But he, the idea that he he has the one liners and the jokes, and he's only gets the biggest crowd reaction eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, Carla, I liked her. See, yeah. I don't I don't really care for Carla. Never have. I heard it's her entrance. That's just. It's brilliant. It's so good. I think she's, as an actress, I think she's good at playing small, angry woman. Mm-hmm. I think she's limited in that really all I can really buy. I can buy right. her doing fake, fake, you know, I, I'm wounded to get you so I can try and you go, ha, 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 yeah. and you all on. But I, I don't think she can do genuine that well. Maybe I'm wrong, but whenever she did, I was never really that that big on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I think they write Carla into ridiculous situations that they can't really ask you to believe right okay um trying to think is there anybody we've missed we've said coach i think mm-hmm. yeah i think we're pretty much it then uh so does it establish a mood or an atmosphere yeah i think it does it's it's warm isn't it it's so warm like it's not it's not cheesy it's not cringy it's not like a lot of things that sitcoms can be and a lot that modern are I don't watch modern sitcoms particularly other than a few because they're too they make you at least they do me because they're just not very good they're just cringeworthy whereas this is just oh it made me so smiley because <laughs> you're a big fan of The Office I think we can, we can go, am, go ahead and yeah. say that um, warmth is a big deal in that one I think there's, yeah. there's a lot of heart in that um, yeah it's not as cynical because it's the 80s. It's yeah. not that thing. But do you see any any comparables maybe between the two series? Yeah, I think there probably is. I think it's you could tell me that it was I mean, it's it's workplace based, isn't it? So it is yeah. it's going to have some similarities in that way. And if if you put like the cast of the office into a bar, which you do occasionally in the office, it's it's quite similar. So yeah, I'd I, I think there's probably is going to be some more crossover as well. And this is interesting because you have Cheers in the 80s. You have Friends in the 90s. You have The Office of the 2000s. They were all the kings of the sitcom, and they're all from NBC. Wow. Yeah. So when Liam and I were talking a couple of weeks ago about uh, Arrested Development, it was a it was a, uh, a bidding war between Fox and NBC. And I told Liam, I so wish NBC had won that because <laughs> they would have known what to do with it. And Fox yeah. didn't, unfortunately. So unlike the rest of them, which runs for three seasons, this one runs for 11 seasons. Now, if you can be sound big, you go, oh, 11 seasons, 270 episodes. Or if you really like it, you can go, 270 episodes yeah you know when i got through the office and that was all there was and i was like i'm at the end of it i would have loved the idea of here's something else with 200 plus episodes that i can sink (laughs) my teeth into yeah i guess the question now is georgia is um are you gonna ground cheers or is it cleared for takeoff 
It is cleared for takeoff. Absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. What would you give? What rating would you give? What rating? What grade? We do grades on this one. So what grade would you give? I forget what I gave. I think I gave. I think I gave friends like a B minus. Mm-hmm. or a C plus it was something like that I wasn't something that impressed like that, with yeah. it what no. do you give cheers I think straight up giving it an A. an a I really like it I really love this like it's genuinely made me feel fuzzy and warm oh, really? inside okay yeah I'm really struggling because I love Arrested Development's really cynic. It's not warm. Arrested Development is yeah. cynical and clever. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a couple of bits of Arrested Development and haven't really gelled with it. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. I, I do think it tends to skew boy. I do. Yeah, I think we've had that discussion before. Oh, have we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think Arrested Development is cynical but really clever, but it doesn't do heart and it can't do heart because it's about a dysfunctional family who have no yeah. heart between them. Yeah. Uh, I think for, I mean, tell me you don't want to sit down at the bar and just, and just get to sort of talk to these characters. I would rather sit down at the bar at Cheers than sit down in Central Park. That is yeah. where I'm at. Yeah. With, 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 without question. And I've seen all of Friends and I've seen one episode of Cheers. If, so- I, if I may quote... The immortal Barney Stinson. <laughs> they sit down. There's an episode where they open and they're not McLaren's or at a coffee house. And he goes, so it's official. Yep. Hanging out in a coffee shop is way lamer than hanging out in a bar. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to go with that. And it's not McLaren's, although I do love that's a pilot. I can't wait to do. Yeah. Uh, I love. I wouldn't be able to be in this seat for that one, though. No, no, no. I don't know if anybody will. We'll probably just have to go ahead and have everybody as pilots, and we'll just talk about it. But um, absolutely, uh, it's got to be. Uh, I'm going to give this an A. Mm-hmm. An A. It's not an A. It's not an A plus. A star. It's just shy of it. I don't have a complaint about it. I don't. No, I don't. It's not. It's really clever. I don't know if it has a moment of magic in it there, there not, are some things that quite, i know but for a pilot yeah. i think that's asking quite a lot isn't it is it? that's because i think there's only one or two that really na- i, I want to hold that a plus to like only like two or three th- like it's got to be amazing yeah, yeah. Uh, i make me go how did you get that on the first episode yeah so that's where we are so uh, if you're out there and you haven't seen cheers i mean um i, I in the I think in the U.S. it's available on Peacock. Here you can go ahead and buy the pilot on Amazon Prime. Uh, I if I'll tell you what if um, if Peacock were ever to become available in this country and it carried Cheers, that is a day one purchase for me. <laughs> I really would. And I'm the, I seem to have so many uh, like um, subscription services that Freedom i have services, yeah. yeah but i i was forced to watch this on prime video for you know what was a pound 89 or something like that <laughs> so you know um i would gladly just i don't want to buy dvds because they take up space also who has a dvd player now well i've got a playstation so oh yeah it's not it's not just a dvd player is it no like, no I it's not that many people that just i am i'm I'm so lazy the idea of just twitch switching a disc every six episodes makes me go oh I just I don't have I, a DVD player I, or a television. I just so. want to let it go bleep, 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 and go yeah. through the, and then every now and then go, Are you still alive? Are you still watching? And I can go, yeah, or no. So such is. So that is that. So if you are out there and you have any ideas about things that you think we should cover here, uh is the I'm just looking now and seeing the Tortellis had a spin off at one point. <laughs> 
Well, that's a little bit silly. Um, I can't imagine that. That's that's Carla's family. I can't uh, imagine okay. watching a whole episode of that. And they did do a, a Spanish version of Cheers in 2011. So okay. um, I heard rumors of an Irish version as well. They Please don't ever remake Cheers. Let this sit in the annals yeah. of time and go back and watch the originals. Even everything down to the font on the credits mm-hmm. is perfect. It is lovely, yeah. <sighs> so... Four cleared for takeoff, which is part of the BFE universe of shows. Uh, I've been Ian. And I've been Georgia. And hey, why not get on the Twitter? That's at Best Film Ever Pod and give us a ring sometime. <laughs> we'll see you later. So this pilot aired, and can you believe the one thing I don't have is the pilot date? My apologies. Give me a moment here, and I can... Oh, my word. Uh, we are experiencing some turbulence. Yes, that's right. Cheers. Please rebuckle your seatbelts. <laughs> yeah.